Attention, all troops. She's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Reckless. Once my family got a VCR, I became a constant renter at the various video stores in my town. One of the things that was very important when you're renting a videotape is that you return it on time. Of course, you should rewind it before you return it, but returning it is the most important because there are late fees. And so there was always this clock that started ticking immediately after you got the tape. And if it was a movie you wanted to watch multiple times, you needed to prioritize the viewing and then make sure you got it in before the return time. Now, when you rented a tape and then didn't return it, there could be some pretty steep fines for that. More than you would think for what you could buy a VHS tape for at a store. You would say, oh, I saw that for 20 bucks at Suncoast Video, but you want to charge me $69.95? Those were the rules. And there are reasons for that. Sometimes the video store paid more for some things or they just needed to make more money, but whatever the case, those are the rules. So what happens when you lose a tape? And I'm not talking you lent it to somebody else and they didn't bring it back, but you lost it. This happened to me just a few times, and I remember one time because it was madness. I had rented the movie Scrooged with Bill Murray, and it was around the holidays, and my family watched it. I think I watched it a second time. And the plan was to bring it back to the video store that was in the supermarket that was near us. A lot of supermarkets used to have video sections. This one was a food town, and they had a pretty nice video section. What I liked about it was that it was pretty cheap to rent there, and they often had videos when the videos at the two stores we had in town were sold out. And so I'd gotten Scrooged, we watched it, we're done, we're going to send it back. The next day, I said to my mother, hey... Where is Scrooged? I'd like to take it back. She said, oh, it's right on the table. But it wasn't on the table. And then the tearing apart of the house began as I attempted to look for this videotape. I looked on every table. I looked in the kitchen. I looked on the sofa, thinking maybe it had fallen between the cushions. I looked in the VCR. I looked in our videotape collection, and I couldn't find it. When my sisters came home, they got in on the act. So now there are multiple people ripping apart the house, trying to find this videotape so that we don't have to pay the extra $2 for another night and hopefully find it so we don't have to buy a new tape. We would eventually find it. And this would become a place I would constantly check for things, which is under a pile of newspapers. I cannot tell you how many things that I lost that I would find in a pile of newspapers. D&D books, video games, comic books, I'd put them down on the table. My grandmother my sisters would put the newspaper on top of it. Then you gather up the newspaper and put it on the newspaper pile, and then there's something else in it. That's where the videotape was. It somehow got into the newspapers and then was put on the newspaper pile. People can't tell the weight of a newspaper with a videotape in it. I don't know, but that's where it was. We got it in close to the wire. The good thing about the food town is that when you brought the videotape back close to the... Time limit, they were pretty cool with it. While I would get late fees for other videotapes, 
I would even lose a videotape. This was a success story. But it's funny to think there are multiple people tearing apart a house for maybe two hours just trying to find a videotape that we could return. Just an amazing amount of effort for one little videotape. On today's show, I'd like to talk to you about the 1988 Christmas classic Scrooged. We'll talk about the people in front of and behind the camera. We'll talk about its release, its reception, its production, its release on home video, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. is a 1988 Christmas comedy. It was directed by Richard Donner. It was written by Michael O'Donoghue and Mitch Glazer, and it starred Bill Murray. It is based on Charles Dickens' novella, A Christmas Carol. Now we're going to get right into the plot of the film, and I'm going to try a little something different today. I have the VHS, not the one that I had gotten from Food Town, but another VHS. And I'm going to read from you the description of the movie from the VHS, which is often how I would make decisions about what I was going to rent. And so I thought it'd be kind of fun to do that with some movies. This is a slipcover VHS from Paramount Home Video. This is the back. It has Bill Murray and Carol Kane, a nice shot of them on the back. And a quote from Peter Travers of People Magazine, who called it a side-splitting comedy smash, dot, dot, dot. So here's the description. High-spirited hijinks on Christmas Eve put Frank Cross, Bill Murray, in a ghostly time warp in this hilarious takeoff of Charles Dickens's A Christmas Carol. Cross, who has made the meteoric rise from the depths of the mailroom to TV network president, is mean, nasty, uncaring, unforgiving, and has a sadistic sense of humor. Perfect qualities for a modern-day Scrooge. Before the night is over, he'll be visited by a maniacal New York cab driver from the past a present-day fairy who's into pratfalls, and finally, a ghoulish seven-foot headless messenger from the future. Remember, original soundtrack available on A&M Records, cassettes, and compact discs. Rated PG-13. No running time on this. So, and that is a fairly accurate description, and it, it sounds like a Christmas carol. It is very close to a Christmas carol. The film has a great cast, starting off with the star of the film, Bill Murray, who played Frank Cross. Murray said about the role that Frank, who starts off as a real jerk, is a fun role to play, but to transform into a nice person was more challenging. And he's quoted as saying, Being a decent person is not that hard, but acting like one is. I never really thought of that, but I guess those are the type of things that actors need to consider. William James Murray was born in 1950. He's an actor and comedian, started on... National Lampoon's Radio Hour back in the 70s before landing on Saturday Night Live from 77 to 80, which is why I think where most people really learned about him. And he would accumulate quite a resume of films, starting with Meatballs in 1979, 
then Caddyshack, Stripes, Tootsie, Ghostbusters, What About Bob, Groundhog Day, the list goes on. It's interesting. Murray had quite a early 80s run of films, then wanted to work on a film called The Razor's Edge, which needed funding. And to get that financing, he agreed to star in a little movie called Ghostbusters. That was a massive hit. That gave him the money to work on The Razor's Edge, which was a big flop. And I guess that really didn't sit well with Murray. And he stepped away from acting for many years and went and studied at the Sorbonne and studied philosophy and history. He would do a couple of cameos, say in like 1986's Little Shop of Horrors, but he was basically gone from movies for years. I think a lot of people forget that. It was in 1988 that he would make his big return with Scrooged. So this was an important role in his career, and it would be followed up the very next year by Ghostbusters 2, and then he would go into the 90s and start to get a lot of roles again. The love interest in the film is Claire Phillips, who is played by Karen Allen. Karen Allen is a film and stage actor, made her film debut in 1978's Animal House. She would also be in the 1984 film Starman, but is probably best known to people who grew up in the 70s and 80s as Marion Ravenwood from Raiders of the Lost Ark, a role she would reprise in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull in 2008. They brought John Forsyth into this film, who played Lou Hayward. Forsyth passed away in 2010. He was a film television actor. His voice was known to a lot of people because he was the voice of Charles Townsend in Charlie's Angels. But he's probably most famous as the patriarch of the Carrington family, Blake Carrington, in the TV show Dynasty. My Nana and I watched that a lot. Bobcat Goldthwait was in this film. He played Elliot Loudermilk. Bobcat Goldthwait was born in 62, comedian, actor, known for his raspy voice. If you were in the 80s, you probably knew him as Zed in the Police Academy movies. Carol Kane would play the ghost of Christmas Present. Kind of silly character, a lot of physical comedy involved in her role. Carolyn Kane was born in 1952, worked in movies like A Dog Day Afternoon, Princess Bride, and Annie Hall. She would appear on the TV show Taxi and would win two Emmy Awards for that. She continues to work today and is supposed to be joining the Star Trek universe in the TV show Strange New Worlds. Looking forward to see where she lands there. The Ghost of Christmas Past, who is a cab driver in the film, was played by David Johansson. Originally, comedian Sam Kinison was going to play this role, but Murray was friends with David Johansson, so the role went to him. Would have been very interesting with Sam Kinison in this role. But getting David Johansson in the role is very interesting too. Arguably, he has had a bigger career than Sam Kinison. David Roger Johansson is a singer and actor. He is a member of the proto-punk band The New York Dolls. He's the lead singer. He was also the singer Buster Poindexter. And then his big acting role is probably The Ghost of Christmas Past in Scrooged. Robert Mitchum is in this film. Crazy. It's a small role as Frank's boss, Preston Rhinelander, and he wasn't all that interested, but somehow Murray was able to convince him to join the cast and brings a gravitas to the film. My mom was a huge Robert Mitchum fan. Robert Charles Derman Mitchum was born in 1917, passed away in 97, nominated for Academy Awards, worked like crazy in lots of great films, the original Cape Fear, The Night of the Hunter, Out of the Past, so many great older films. If you want to see a great, interesting actor, see Robert Mitchum. 
Michael J. Pollard played Herman. He doesn't have a big role, but I wanted to bring him up because he's a great character actor. Passed away in 2019. He's best known for his role as C.W. Moss in the 1967 Bonnie and Clyde. But he would work in lots of other things. Was in Roxanne with Steve Martin, Sleepaway Camp 3, Dick Tracy, some TV work. I always just like to point out character actors who I like a lot. And I think Michael J. Pollard is great. Alfre Woodard played Grace Cooley, born in 1952, a multi-award winning actor. New York Times ranked Woodard as the 17th in their list of the 25 greatest actors of the 21st century. And she is working like crazy. She started working in the 70s, got work in the 80s in film and TV, TV shows like Hill Street Blues and L.A. Law, as well as St. Elsewhere. But really started taking off in the 90s going into the 2000s and continues to work today, including some work in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, both on the TV show Luke Cage and on the big screen in Captain America Civil War. There's so many people in this film, I can go on forever, but I'll cut it short, just name some of the people in this. John Glover played Bryce Cummings. Mary Ellen Trainer played Ted. Mabel King played Grandma. Nicholas... Phillips played Calvin Cooley. John Murray played James Cross. That's Bill Murray's brother. Brian Doyle Murray played Earl Cross, another Bill Murray brother. You get a lot of Murray for your money when you see Scrooged. Wendy Malick played Wendy Cross. Kathy Kinney was a nurse in the film. Remember her from the Drew Carey show? And the list goes on and on. Doesn't even count the cameos in the film. We have Lee Majors as himself, musician Miles Davis, John Houseman, Robert Goulet, the Solid Gold Dancers, Buddy Hackett, Mary Lou Retton, and even Jamie Farr. So star-studded. Frank Cross is a man of true vanity, whose specialty is inhumanity. He's fired Thank you. Call the county. Stop his voice. Then he saw three new guests. Now what scares him the most? Find the ghost of Christmas Tracy. Is the chance that he's losing his sanity. Oh, they don't know where it is. Bill Murray, Scrooge, rated PG-13. Now playing at theaters everywhere. The film was written by two pretty well-known comedy writers, Michael O'Donohue and Mitch Glazer. Michael O'Donohue passed away in 94, was a writer and performer working at National Lampoon Magazine, and then was the first head writer at Saturday Night Live, and the first performer to say a line on Saturday Night Live. Didn't perform often, but had some roles. He was in the 1985 comedy Head Office and the 1979 film Manhattan. He did not like Scrooged. He insisted that the work that Mitch and he had done was much better than the final product. And we'll talk a little bit about the production later. Mitch Glazer was born in the early 50s in Florida. He would become a screenwriter and he would write for magazines like Rolling Stone. The thing that most people would know him for was his work on Scrooge. That was his big hit as a writer. But he worked on Saturday Night Live. An interesting fact, he would pen the novelization for the Blues Brothers movie. The film was directed by the legendary director Richard Donner, who passed away in 2021. A very successful director, made many, many blockbusters, but he got his start as a television director way back in the 50s, and he had worked on shows like The Twilight Zone, The Man from U.N.C.L.E., The Rifleman, The Fugitive, and then would make his 
motion picture debut in 1961. His first big breakthrough was the 1976 film The Omen, and then he would make superhero movies a thing by doing the 1978 film Superman. But his career would not end there. He would work on films like Goonies, Scrooged, and then this massive series of films you might have heard of, the Lethal Weapon films. Now, Murray had been away for years, and when he wanted to start working, he started looking at different scripts, saw Scrooged, and liked it, but wanted some changes. He wanted to enhance the romantic plot in the film and change some of the scenes with his family, and he would work with Glazer and O'Donoghue on those changes. When he was happy, that's when filming would begin. Now, as you might guess, this does not sound like a dynamic that is going to make everyone happy. And there's a lot of stories about how difficult it was to work with Murray. I think that Murray would say it was difficult to work with Donner. I have heard a lot of stories about Murray and that he can be difficult to work with. So I'm kind of going to be on Richard Donner's side on this. Maybe Murray did have a vision for the film and Donner had a different one. And so they're going to collide. But Donner is the director. So it's up to him to figure out how to do it. He is a lot more measured in his criticisms of Murray than Murray was in his criticisms of Donner. In an interview with Roger Ebert, Murray said that it, and I quote, could have been a really great movie. The script was so good. He, and by he, he's referring to Donner, kept telling me to do things louder, louder. I think he was deaf. And I think that Donner wanted it to be broader, to be jokier. And Murray probably wanted something more subtle. That's what at least I am taking away from these things that I've been reading. I think that Murray was also not used to being the lead in a film like this. He is the center of the film. Now, if you go back and look at his work, I guess The Razor's Edge, he is the main character. But in all the comedies he did, there was a lot of supporting characters around him all the time, even though he was the star. In this one, he's in everything, and people are coming and going, and he's working with them. So I could see that being high pressure compared to what he had been going through for years. I could also see it being high pressure because he hadn't worked in years. So that was probably a big issue while they were making the film. It was shot over three and a half months in Hollywood, and they did have some exterior work in New York City, which added a certain level of realism to the film. Merry Christmas! Music plays a important role in Scrooge. There's a robust soundtrack in the film and also a score. The score was provided by Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman, born in 1953. He's a film composer, singer, songwriter, performer. Started his rise in the new wave band Oingo Boingo in the 80s and then moved into film scoring, working with people like Tim Burton, Gus Van Zant, Sam Raimi. His music has appeared in dozens of films and TV shows. 
pretty much any music that you hear in your head related to Tim Burton that is coming from Danny Elfman. If you're listening to the intro to The Simpsons, that's Danny Elfman as well. He's had four Oscar nominations, two Emmy Awards, a Grammy, and seven Saturn Awards. Now, his score was not released at the time that the film was released. That would be released in 2011, so many years later, by La La Land Records in very limited quantities. So if you're looking for a copy of it, it's pretty pricey. But if you want to just listen to it, it is available to stream through various services. I was listening to it this morning on YouTube. They released the soundtrack on A&M Records in 1989 and has nine songs on it, seven of which were released as singles, which include Put a Little Love in Your Heart, The Love You Take, The Christmas Song, Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire, We Three Kings of Orient Are, A Wonderful Life, Sweetest Thing, and Christmas Must Be Tonight. The rendition of that version of Put a Little Love in Your Heart, which was sung by Annie Lennox and Al Green, would spend 17 weeks on the music charts in the U.S. and would peak at number 9 on January 14, 1989. And that is the lead song if you buy a cassette version of Scrooge. And I like cassettes. That will often be the one that gets the most play on it. So it'll be the most used track. So it'll be the one you will listen to and it'll sound the worst. If you were around when Scrooge came out, the marketing for the film really leaned into Ghostbusters. It'll say, Bill Murray is back among the ghosts, only this time it's three against one. Again, there's pointing out right there, Bill Murray alone on this one. It would premiere in LA on November 17th, 1988, and then would have a wide release on November 23rd, 1988. During its extended Thanksgiving release, it would earn $18.6 million on 1,262 screens. It would drop fairly dramatically the second week, and by Christmas had almost fallen out of the top 10. It would make $60.3 million domestically, making it the 13th highest film of 1988, and would make $40 million overseas for just over $100 million worldwide, which was pretty good on a $32 million budget. Nice, healthy profit. So what else was out at the time? I've printed out my local movie theaters from November 23rd, 1988 to look at. So we had two theaters, a six and an eight. Scrooge was playing at the sixplex. So what else was there? You had Cocoon 2, The Return. You had Cry in the Dark. You had Full Moon, Fresh Horses, and Oliver and Company. And then over at the eightplex, you had Ernest Saves Christmas. It's going to be a good holiday season. Child's Play, 1969, The Accused, High Spirits, Everybody's All-American, and Land Before Time. The Accused was playing on two screens. It was the only film playing on two screens at this time. So let's look at the advertisements here. Scrooge has the biggest ad by far. And then Cocoon the Return probably has the second largest. Very small for Full Moon in Blue Water with Gene Hackman, Terry Garr, and Burgess Meredith. Didn't see that. Crossing Delancey was playing. The Land Before Time, small ad. Buster is out. That's that Phil Collins movie. High Spirits with Daryl Hannah and Steve Gutenberg and Peter O'Toole. Ooh, Night of the Demons was playing. Not broadly, though. Only three theaters showing it by me. And then there's this great Chucky ad where you see Chucky's little hand stabbing a turkey. That is wonderful. In my area, just so you know, there was Walt Disney's World on Ice was coming to the Meadowlands Arena. Tickets were $8.50, $11, and $13.50. Comedian Bobby Slayton 
was going to be landing at Bananas Comedy Club. And then there's this big ad for the WWF Survivor Series. It's pay-per-view. But a pretty big ad right in the movie section. You got Macho Man Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan versus Akeem and Big Boss Man. Brutus the Barber Beefcake and the Ultimate Warrior versus Outlaw Ron Bass and the Honky Tonk Man. Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Jake the Snake Roberts versus Andre the Giant and Dino Bravo. And then The Powers of Pain versus Demolition. I wonder if I watched that. I wouldn't have watched it on pay-per-view. My mom only bought us one of the wrestling pay-per-views. And then it just became too expensive. But I probably watched this later or at least saw some of these matches. I had a friend who loved The Ultimate Warrior and would record anything with The Ultimate Warrior on it. And then when I'd come over to his house to play D&D, he would insist we watch Ultimate Warrior highlights before we played. The review of the film in my local paper, not great. I think they summed it up by saying, as Christmas presents go, Scrooged is pretty much a mixed bag. They're not the only one who felt that way at the time. Reviews were very mixed. The film has some messaging in it, and is not a straight comedy as maybe some critics were expecting. And so overall, everything I've been reading has people really divided. And Murray was a lightning rod. Some people thought he was hilarious. Other people said he looked so unhappy filming it. Ebert, again, who's one of my favorite people to cite, because I think he's pretty insightful. He's also a good sort of cross-section of critics at the time. He said that he thought that Murray's ad-libbing, and Murray was famous for kind of riffing on the material, was at odds with the film and kind of ruined the flow of the story. People love the supporting cast, though. They love the music. People seem pretty positive about all of that. And while word of mouth wouldn't be amazing, the film did make a profit. There was an interesting thing that happened. They had screened the movie in 1988, and it received a very good rating from 93% of the people who saw it which made it one of the highest films to be tested at the time. So audiences really seemed to like it. And even after people started seeing it, they still rated it pretty high. And yet the critics, for the most part, savaged it. And I can't help but think that that would hinder the film's box office. The film would get a Academy Award nomination for makeup, but it would lose to Beetlejuice. <laughs> For those with a talent for brightening up the holidays, McDonald's has something special just for you. For a short time, we're serving holiday chicken McNuggets with a festive orange sauce. There are also thick, rich eggnog milkshakes and cool peppermint sundaes. They're just our way of lighting up the season. Your holiday place, McDonald's. The film came out on VHS pretty quickly. There was supposed to be a DVD release. In 2006, the You'll Love It edition that would have commentary by Donner and a bunch of featurettes, but weirdly that version was never released. The film would get a Blu-ray release in 2011, so you do get a HD version, and there are versions of it for streaming online, so if you want to see Scrooge, there's very little holding you back. The film was not heavily merchandised. I've seen some jokey sort of small batch Bill Murray, Frank Cross figures put out by various people. Also Green Lake Collectibles put out a taxi cab that the Ghost of Christmas Pass drives. Despite its lackluster growth, the film would do well on home video and then on TV and would become a cult Christmas classic. Not one that everyone watches every year, but it has found an audience with people who love it. And I think it's its rough tone 
that makes it stand out. While it's a very polished product, there's some scratches on it. There's something not quite right with Scrooged, and that makes it interesting to watch. Maybe it's because Bill Murray is unpredictable, and so when you're watching a Bill Murray movie, you just never know what you're going to get, and that, in Scrooged, comes out, just like in some of his other films, and that makes it fun. Plus, it's a Christmas carol, so it's a timeless story, and you know how it's going to end, but you're just not sure how this character, who is very unlikable, is going to make that journey, and you're along for the ride, and Bill Murray pulls it off in the end. His character is transformed, and it's a Christmas miracle. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at retroist.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at twitter.com slash retroist and instagram.com slash retroist. I recently started posting on Mastodon. So if you are a Mastodon user, you can find me at retroist at mastodon.social. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you like what you hear, you should follow Peachy on Twitter and Twitch. He's at PeachyPixelate. That's the word Peachy, the word Pixel, and the number eight. If you'd like to support the show, a great way to do so is by giving it a five-star review wherever you download the show. It's really those five-star reviews that help people find it. So if you could do that, I'd really appreciate it. If you'd like to support the show further, you can drop by the Retroist Patreon at patreon.com retroist. Supporters of the show get supporter episodes, bonus scans, bonus tracks, and access to the Retroist Discord, the friendliest retro community on the internet. I'd like to thank a couple of people for supporting the show this month. Jason Previtt, Brett, Mike Welch, and the Dial-Up Chronicles. Catch him on YouTube. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. Dot, dot, dot. A charismatic big screen bow by dot, dot, dot. Phil Collins in the title role. Dot, dot, dot. The Retroist is dot dot dot. Great podcast. This has been a Retroist production. Goodbye.